0: uh membership it's 10 bucks a month you get a monthly mastermind exclusively it's a zoom call every month with other youtube members uh you also get weekly videos exclusive to the youtube members on how to use social media to improve your opportunities in life sciences so check that out really means a lot to me and thank you so much again for listening and enjoy the show All right, so we are recording. We're live. Look, this is Ask Us Anything, okay, about research, clinical, research coordinator, associate, uh, site owner. Did you guys hear? Thanks to Judy, I heard about the site owner, the site in Florida that got basically raided by the Department of Justice and they turned two of their coordinators in for fraud and then the coordinators took a plea bargain to tell the full story it's that's drama right there that's like basically making up patience and uh you know judy was asking like how is this even possible well judy i guess (laughs) there's there's a lot of things that are possible but It doesn't do anything to help Florida. Florida already has a bad reputation from sites. A lot of it. There's a lot of good sites in Florida, but unfortunately, this kind of stuff tends to happen a lot over there. And, yeah, I mean, what do you guys think about this? What do you think, Judy? You're the one who brought it up. Like, you're surprised?
1: Yeah, because there's a lot of oversight in clinical research. The sponsor side, CRO side, all those people that are looking at everything. I mean how how did it get this far i guess you know did everybody drop the ball nobody was looking at the stuff in detail i mean like there there should have been lots of areas where this should have been brought up way sooner before i even got to that point
0: yeah i think i was doing i did a podcast with chris on it today and you know i was saying like maybe they we don't know the details but maybe the unsung hero could be the cra who discovered this um because one of the ways you can discover it all is if you actually look at blood samples, like the lab results, and then you see, okay, these ones look similar, and now these ones look similar, and pretty soon you're like, what's going on here? I mean, it still takes like, a, I guess, a observant CRA to find it, so...
1: No, but I, the the lab results are going to a central lab. Somebody's reviewing the data behind the scenes. That's what I'm saying. Like that on um, the uh, sponsor, like whoever is the one that's responsible, I'm thinking that should have been caught too, right? Not the C. I mean, that's great if it was a CR. I don't know the details. You know, this was like a little yeah. short article we've read about. So it well, wasn't much in there.
2: <laughs> I don't know, Judy, but they're not probably comparing at, at sponsor level patient to patient, well, I guess they might be looking for specifics, like things they're concerned with, but but comparing specifically every lab to every lab for all all the different values, it's not something I envision that they do, though they may.
1: Uh, well, they've done it for studies we worked on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, where it's been brought up, various values, visit to visit, and questions and stuff. So that's why I'm just, you know, oh, I yeah. figured there was a lot of things in place to prevent this from happening. But I don't know. We don't know the details.
2: <laughs> Would be interesting to find those details. All right. Exactly. on Night two. Mm-hmm. Just start raining. Just making some
0: quick feather sticks uh somebody has something to say oh, or is that accidental hold on i
3: think mean, cool. yeah
0: hey teresa smith wait it's been a while this since i've done this i'm slow all right here we go i got it faster it's been a while since i've been having to mute people uh all right yeah i don't know i mean i'm it'd be nice we'll never know the details uh in regards to that so anything else? What's exciting people these days? CRC Academy, how's it going, Monica? Aren't you supposed to be teaching a CRC Academy right now?
3: Uh no, now it's Mondays at 4 p.m.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah.
3: <laughs>
2: right.
3: The previous class finished last uh Tuesday.
0: Oh and okay. uh, they
3: have this week off, and then we start the internship next week.
0: Okay, I gotcha.
3: Yeah, so um, now that we're talking about everything, (laughs) I was uh, one of, well, one professional, uh, he is a doctor from overseas, he's been applying to different jobs, and he pointed out something that was quite interesting, and and he was mentioning that he has seen in different companies that they have I mean, obviously, diversity has become a, a very interesting, a very important part of research, and basically, every single industry now is advocating for diversity, right? But in research, it's very important, as we 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 know. And and he was mentioning that many organizations have, for example, for African Americans, specific, uh, they uh, um like um job opportunities or or like job fairs for this minority group, right? But there is not nothing, nobody has yet done anything for Hispanics or for Latinos. And I would like to mention that right here, many of the uh, sponsors, uh, hopefully, a lot of them seen this video and uh, bring this to the table because there is not organization offering uh, job fair for Latinos. Are any comments about that
0: <laughs> apparently nobody um yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, <interesting>. that's, what,
3: <laughs> that's what i see
0: <laughs> so what about what it like what's the who would be the beneficiary of doing this
3: so i mean the pharmaceuticals if they want to bring diversity on their uh, uh on their um i mean job um force workforce and they are doing it already for African Americans. Why they don't do it also for Latinos or for other minorities? Like, I mean, the larger, mm. the largest minority in the United States are Hispanics. Why is this not happening?
0: Yeah. So we've been and talked to some sponsors. I mean, they're interested in this, but it, I don't know. It doesn't seem like the um, the desire yes. and the actions meet match up.
3: Yeah. yeah, I mean everybody talks, but nobody really is doing anything about it. So I think that's a that's something that we need to to start um, thinking about it. Why is not um, um, the Hispanic community being uh, taken into account in this kind of affairs?
1: Yeah. It would, I guess, be um, nice if we had more of a sponsor representative or somebody to talk more about, like, what goes into their job fairs, where do they, when they focus on specific, you know, backgrounds, diversity, um, targets, how do they decide that um, to give us more of an insight, right, on how all that works.
0: So, what else is new in the industry? You guys seeing, uh, well, Ashley's getting on in a bit, but as far as CRO activity, hiring sites, hiring, you know, I know a lot of our members, when we started this group in 2020, a lot of the members back then that were looking for jobs, most of them, um, got hired and actually a lot of them are on their second or third job already. So we've been seeing the industry still busy at the site level too. There's a lot of studies out there for sites um a lot of activity despite this recession talk and so i haven't has anyone noticed the slowdown i'm just curious if anyone has noticed in any segment of this industry a slowdown i would imagine maybe phase ones
1: no i haven't but i've read i've read comments here and there about certain jobs or areas where Maybe they were holding back on hiring, but it seems pretty busy. seems pretty busy, same as last year.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we hired two. We have two coordinators. And uh, I mean, now that I'm working at the site level, again, it's bringing back all these inefficiencies that I see. Like um, one example, today I had a patient texting me because they're supposed to do this uh, breath test and they can do it at home and then they they FedEx it we give them the air bill and they FedEx it we pre-label everything and the vendor's losing everyone's lab kits and then the vendor is saying they don't have it where's the tracking number and now the patients like <laughs> luckily they kept it and then they found it but it's like they talk about patient centricity and doing all this decentralized stuff and they can't even manage like some simple thing like this imagine an entire study like done out of a box which is kind of big pharma's goal for the industry. I mean, eventually it's going to happen, like the convenience thing, but I don't know. There's too many vendors for it to happen cohesively, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I think there's aspects that are going to change, but not the whole thing. And it still requires the site staff. Look, at you just talked about the patient texting you you had to probably look into it and then eventually like you guys figured it out but how many people did it involve to get to that answer oh right? we had
0: a patient quit <laughs> we had one patient this is the second that i'm aware of where they lost their kit and the patient wow. doesn't want to do it again so they quit so that's like i don't know what value that is to the drug company but a randomized patient is i would say pretty valuable no matter what study you're doing like to get that data so there that's their um You know, that's a case where like convenience maybe that's supposed to make things easier for the patients actually making it much worse.
3: Yeah, I agree with you, Dan. I think uh, that's why the, the sites are so important because if, imagine, if it's difficult sometimes to manage sites that know what they are doing, imagine how it is managing patients that is the first time or, I mean, even if they are professional uh patients (laughs) which nobody wants one of those patients right but it could happen they don't know what they are doing because each study is totally different so they need to still re-educate the patients they need i think the sites are extremely valuable extremely needed and obviously is is a key factor in research
0: and it's the best i think it's the best place for people to start their careers and or even end their careers Or anywhere in between. I mean, I know some CRAs who got sick of traveling and prefer to work at site level again, even though it's usually a pay cut. So we'll we open it up for questions from anybody. If you're on mute, just unmute, ask, type, um, discuss anything at all. Career related, um, how to network. You know, we're always looking for ways to make networking better for us not just for Latinos, for everyone in this industry. This group is open to everybody in the industry. And, you know, our our ultimate outcome is to increase minority participation in clinical research. So somebody raised their hand, but they put it down. Yes. Uh,
3: it's uh, the Dr.
4: PTP. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's me. <laughs> it's How's me. it going? Yeah, it's a good So first I'm going to introduce you myself. I'm just coming to USA as an immigrant and I did my uh, family practice for 16 years in India. And uh, right now I'm working as an operating manager in urgent care, but I'm interested in work with the clinical research. So what is the pathway for
0: me to do the Mm. same thing? All right, does your urgent care do research? It might be too obvious. Okay. I figured no. 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 So two routes. There are urgent cares that do research Mm -hmm. out there. Uh, Where are you located? Atlanta. Okay. For sure, there's urgent cares doing research in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. The second route is more ambitious, but you can bring the idea of doing the research to your urgent care and talk Mm -hmm. to the management there about doing it and mm-hmm. then figure out how to bring the studies there. And then you could be the coordinator and then ultimately director. And that's good because from there you basically create your own job. You're like an intrapreneur you're like, you're like a acting like entrepreneur, but you're just not putting up your own money, but you're putting your time and effort. So those are the two options. If I were you, that's what I would do. One of those two, find mm-hmm. the urgent care in your area that does research. There's tons or mm-hmm. bring the opportunity to you for the more ambitious uh yeah. amongst yourselves you know that's like a more exciting way to do it and who knows like it might be more lucrative too
4: yeah but i i have doesn't any experience regarding clinical coordination and everything but i know all these clinical things and what is happening but uh yeah what oh, ha- how to put in the system and i, I I look your most of YouTube videos and everything. And uh, I am interesting. that this is the interesting field. So I can get it in.
0: If- bring it to them, man. Like you seem like a go-getter, like talk to them tomorrow about it.
5: And say, you know, look, just...
0: we have to do research. So
5: sorry to interrupt that. <laughs> oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, go ahead. Go. And if there were to be a scenario where you bring this to your management and they say, hey, you know, um, well, this is, sounds great. Numbers and figures sound great. But how can we ensure that you have the background, you have the knowledge set? Well, you know, if if you can't negotiate them on that end, um, we also have, you know, an option. We created the, the you know, a research university for this reason. Um, so you are uh, previously or currently practicing clinician. We have the clin- uh, PIs, clinicians, and uh, clinical research college where we help you know, certify you in that aspect, and so that you could also do that, or tell them, hey, if you feel like you need, you know, more, um, I you say, more foundation, say, well, sponsor me, let me take this, this course, so that I can bring it to you, and say, hey, I have it now, let's, let's do it, I can train other people, let's do it, right, so there's, there's Man. always, there's a bunch of different resources out there, it's just, you know, if you're willing to find it, and then again, it's a also feel like when you get the first no, it's it's a, not a, a failure or an official no. I think it's a way to negotiate and see what is it that they're missing from you in order to be able to give you the yes, right? So it's just, it's constantly going and trying to figure out what it is that, that you're needing as opposed to just hearing no or hearing, well, maybe just always trying to figure out uh, a way around, right?
4: Yeah. Okay. Okay.
0: I love having Monica and Ashley. Oh my gosh. Like, <laughs> The sales pitch is so good, Ashley. But yeah, that's like (laughs) the route. That's the route I would go to. But obviously our academies would help you. Like then they could sponsor you. But seriously, man, if you're an IMG, like you're a doctor, you could figure it out. It's at the end of the day, it's just following the protocol and following good clinical practice and start with one study. The -hmm. good thing of you doing it this way is you don't need to risk like starting your own site. You're you know, the they have profits. So they can invest and in, you just have to sell them on the idea. Yeah. You have the book, the this book? Or from the five-hour video?
4: No, no, I don't have.
0: Okay, well, just message me your address. I'll send you one tomorrow and then read it and then go talk to them about it and set that up. Set that up ASAP. Okay. Or, or the easier way is to go to a competitor urgent care that is doing research and work with them. Atlanta is huge. So I know they're there. Was mm-hmm. okay, this also okay. a
5: scenario where you're trying to create something on your own or you're just trying to get into the industry?
4: No, I, I want to first get into the industry.
5: Okay. So with your background as clinician, um, especially if you have any hospital experience, because I know that right now a lot of, CROs and Sponsors that are opening a gateway or pathway for clinicians, they're looking more specifically for ones that actually have particular hospital experience. So if you have that exposure or urgent urgent care, um, you what I would suggest, specifically for PIs or previous clinicians, um, is reach out to a recruiter. Now I know for for those that don't have clinical background or aren't licensed uh, clinicians, sometimes what happens is you know when they reach out, you know they don't necessarily Respond as quickly, but for those that are licensed or that have background licensing, they respond very fast. So I would recommend you going to sponsor CRO recruiters. Very easy, find them on LinkedIn, and then look for recruiters in the highlight, and then say, "Hey, I am, you know, have this much background. Here's my resume. I really want to get into the research industry. You know, uh, I have a lot of hospital experience. What can I do to help you? uh, Help me, kind of a thing, right? So, doctor,
0: the world is your oyster." You have too yeah, many we... options. That options, I don't. I like it because it's gonna work. But um, I feel sorry for the urgent care because they're not gonna do research.
3: Yeah,
2: uh, I mean,
5: that so a good actually.
3: Option. Beatrice just put a um on a um a post. She says we have an emergency department at Children's Healthcare, Healthcare, or Atlanta. So there are units doing doing it, even if it's emergency department. They do this research various of uh, various type types thank you mm-hmm. Beatrice thank so, you Beatrice yeah. there you
0: go doctor you connect with Beatrice right now she's on probably on LinkedIn it, it's an
4: emergency department <laughs> in child it's very yeah, children's health
0: emergency department at children's health care there are units doing it even if it's emergency department they do very yeah there's a lot of emergency research too and mm-hmm. the good thing about urgent care is you don't have to only do emergency research at urgent care you can do traditional Outpatient stuff too. Yeah, you got too many options, doctor. Not not too little. Too many mm. is your problem. <laughs> Maybe I'm gonna take the book back, man. You don't need it.
5: Awesome. So I know I jumped in a little bit late. Apologies, everybody. But so, what was the the starting topic? I know that uh, we started asking questions, or was there something that got the conversation rolling?
0: Yeah, the start was fraud in research, but that wasn't so interesting. <laughs> the uh, Ifiani, my question is, why is it a challenge for a black IMG? So another international medical graduate with multiple clinical research training in the U.S. and clinical research experience in Africa to gain experience into the... It's tough for everybody, and it sucks because I know, and Beatrice, you'll be next. Thank you for raising your hand. Maybe this is like a good system Zoom thought about raising the hand, but... um. It's tough for everybody, but it's mm-hmm. actually easier for IMG. And like Ashley just said, you know, you're know, you an IMG as well. Just take her advice. Go to CRO. Contact Ashley. Um, contact everybody on this LinkedIn. Contact every site in your area. Go like in person. Hand your CV. There's still a labor shortage in research. I know other industries are drying up, but we're not doing mortgage. We're doing research
3: and if and you could, have interest on in a particular sorry uh, don't know, don't know. actually if you have interest on in a particular uh therapeutic, therapeutic area you can also go to the to uh to clinicaltrials.gov uh type that specific therapeutic area or condition and look for the studies the industry studies that uh, that have listed the sites And you can actually reach out to the sites specifically that have that therapeutic area.
1: Yeah. And I actually would recommend that for foreign medical graduates instead to see if they you could probably get an easier at the site level. Um, you would be a good coordinator, even, you know, can move up from there. I I know at our site, cause we do psych CNS, I'm trying to get a few approved as a rater on a lot of the diagnostic and, you know, rater questionnaires um, because they have that medical background, but they're new to research. So I think that's a place where I can get them started and trained on. So it just depends um, at the site level, what therapeutic area. There's a lot of things that we we at the site level can try to do with a foreign medical graduate if they really want to bring them on and need the staff.
5: Yeah, it's to too pig-
0: easy for IMGs, too easy. But
5: I agree. And to piggyback on what Judy just said, I do believe that site level is much, much easier because of the process I know that with zeros responses, sponsors, sometimes the scenario, not always, but sometimes the scenario is that um, when you have an individual who has medical license background, um, yes, they come with all that knowledge, but the thing is, it's a different type, I guess you could say, uh, thinking perspective as to how you're going to approach certain aspects when it comes to the clinical background and to the research clinical. And so, what I feel sometimes may happen is that they feel like they have to train a certain way or train longer or things like that, depending on what, you know, how they're trying, what where they're going to be directing you as far as the, the position that you're going in for. And so, because as, you know, going into for a CRC at site level, you're getting the full exposure and it's still very much the same setting, right? As opposed to when you're going to sponsor level, a lot of times you're going to be a monitor. So you have to take your, your, you know, you say your your medical goggles from site perspective as a, you know, clinic, as a physician at a site or as a clinic at a clinic and be now a monitor perspective and kind of think a little bit more outside the box. So yeah. I think it's way easier going mm-hmm. through the site level, cause you still have the same, you know, same perspective, same scenario and everything. And then at that point you get exposure to what monitors actually do. And if you feel that's something that you want, um, definitely go that route. Right.
0: Just a okay. few months ago. And I'm, I'm sure Judy was in this situation at one point too. Like as a site owner, I had no employees just a few months ago. It was just me and a few business partner and my wife, um, I would have, I was putting ads, I was asking every single MA in the office, do you have any friends, have them come interview? Cause the dot my PI told me not to not to hire any of his staff. So I asked them, <laughs> do you have any friends? Uh, I literally was at the point I would have hired anybody who walked in the door <laughs> to interview. Nobody did. Okay. Now I have two, two people. I'm very happy with them now. In hindsight, maybe it was blessing in this guy's guy. I have two very good ones, but there's so many sites like that in that situation you've just never heard of them because you haven't googled it so just google it
1: yeah and <laughs> or,
3: or go to <laughs> global- clinical trials that go <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah i
1: was gonna say as a site we have these these bumps like sometimes we have enough staff sometimes we don't sometimes we do and you never know when you might go to that site who's actually looking to hire or was about yeah. to post that ad and was like oh my gosh you know we'll just train you and bring you on board or just um, go every
0: day they'll get yeah. until they get tired of you and they'll hire you just this that heavy stuff we actually had
3: somebody guys, in the past like that. sorry
6: Oh, no, I was going to say, I think that's a great point, because I think one of the things that we hear a lot is, you know, mm-hmm. the whole talk about diversity and, and clinical research and and in general, how we need to have more of the staff look and feel and represent the communities to get more of the diverse patient population. But there are also studies that find that if if you don't have all of the criteria or you don't meet all of the the I don't want to say rules, but like the desires on the job posting, a lot of folks are inclined to not even approach the job at all. So from your perspective, do you think it is important for folks, even if they don't meet all of the criteria to even still take the leap? You know, if they don't have all the experience just to put themselves out there, not be afraid to, because we may not have, right. The experience that, that others do, but we just networking and, and taking the first step this first leap I think is the first start so I would love for you guys to pine on that
5: yeah I mean I would like to say something on that I think 100% um so on the side what I do with my clients when I help them with their resume or their mock interviews and things like that um I use myself as a perfect example as well as multiple of my other clients that have gotten positions um so for me, I only had about one year experience before jumping straight into the CRO. And even at that, I wasn't a clinical research coordinator. Um, I was a medical assistant slash medical transcriptionist. I barely had any exposure to direct you know, patient contact with research or anything like that. I just kind of assisted on the side in a hybrid clinic. The thing is, though, what I did was I Googled research, right? I looked it down. I got a deep dive about, I would say, three days full straight um, of Every research got a full understanding of the difference and the, uh, the correlation between the clinical, you know, site perspective and then what research and how it differentiated and how it was different, the same. And so I was very like thoughtful about okay, how do my skill sets that I currently have transition into this industry, which I tell everybody all the time, it doesn't matter where you come from your background, all these skill sets, whether it's Data entry, quality assurance, customer care, all these things uh, that are very basic and at the very foundation of the most starter positions uh, in every in, in any industry can transition over. The thing is, it comes down to your confidence, how well you can sell it, right? And and how well you can, you know, speak to the person about, hey, you know, yes, I only have this, but I can easily do this based off of this, right? Like you have to give examples. I think that's one of the biggest, you know, issues is right, is like you have these. People that have really great resumes and a lot of great background experience. I had a client who was a clinical research coordinator for I'd say about 20 years. She could never move up into the CRO, never move up. And she did multiple interviews, things like that. And so finally when I did, you know, about two breakdowns with her in a mock trial, it was very clear that she wasn't being able to, you know, clearly define how she was able to take her skill set from this level to the next and do it accurately with training, right? And so, and that happens. And, th- and then you have people like me that just, I talk very well, um, well, I feel I talk very well and I get my point across. So, you know, I had part rarely any experience and I jumped straight into CRO, right? And that happens. I have other clients that have done that too. And so, again, it's just utilizing your resources, you know, coming to, you know, our webinars, getting some information, going to other webinars, getting that exposure and being very clear about the strengths that you come with, right? And and, you know, coming to the interview and being forward with what you can do and what you want to bring in, like your, your goals in that role. And, and then that goes again to where you're talking about diversity, Cassandra says, I think that for those types of individuals, definitely going at site level, because a lot of the times, especially in rural areas, you will find that the coordinators, medical, uh, medical office, uh, medical managers or office managers, whatever, a lot of them. Come from the ground up right they'll start as uh, an ma or you know front desk secretary and they just literally like work their way up in those clinics and or those offices so uh if you can show the passion and you can show your like a uh, fortitude you have and what you're bringing to the table you can really give some have somebody give you that opportunity um, my first job in a hybrid clinic i had no clinic experience and i actually offered a year, uh year, sorry, a week's worth uh, of work, free of pay so that they could test me out and see how fast I worked, right? I, they saw it, they gave me within what, three or four days, and I got hired, right? And so again, it's just, what are you willing to do? How are you standing out, right? And um, making sure that that person really sees you, right? Because a lot of the time I feel people are nervous when they come forward and they're like, well, I don't have what it takes. Everybody does, right? Especially for those that really want it. It's just, how are you doing it, right? Sorry, long rant.
0: <laughs> Let's cut to Beatrice. Beatrice has been patiently waiting with the hand raised.
1: <laughs>
3: hey, guys. Good evening. Thank you for having me. Um, my question is more on building and maintaining relationships. Um, I do work at the site level uh, currently, and I just want some advice on how to uh, create a, a good, flow of things with monitors that come um you mm-hmm. know just yeah how do you how do you maintain those good relationships and and don't feel like someone is um stabbing you in the back with reports
0: <laughs> well <laughs> don't do that uh, i guess <laughs> the one of the things i i'm lucky that i was able to be a contract cra for like four years Um, on a part time basis, so my perspective changed a lot doing that. Um, if you can make their job easier in any any scale, like just take their difficulty down even a half a percentage point or whatever you can do, you're gonna make a lasting impact on that person, and that's like your network for life, basically. And if you just keep doing that for all the CRAs that come through at your site, I mean, you've got you're going to build a great networking for you just just within your own site. So anything you can do, you'd be amazed at the sites I went to, like especially the big academic medical center. As a CRA, I went in there. They don't really treat you well. Like they just put you in a room. Nobody comes to check on you. If you have questions, you email them. This Imagine you're emailing them when you're at the site. And so they're not answering you till you leave. So if you could like make their life easier helping them get their action items done or maybe they can't contact somebody at the site you go out of your way to do it that's probably the best thing you can do like most impactful um if it comes to like your own colleagues i'm not sure because i don't know what the culture there but that's my advice for like external like dealing with monitors and such
5: um no, I don't think <laughs> from a monitor perspective, uh, when I deal with sites that I mean there's there's different types of sites. There's the the sites that you know are just very flowy, everything's great. And then you have the ones that are difficult, as in, you know, you actually get kicked back and they're like not just complying at all. And then you have the sites that are difficult in the sense that they're short staff, There's a lot expected of them on all ends, and they're just falling behind on things like that, right? So, if it were to be a scenario where, let's say, your site or your coordinator, and and it's that sc- scenario that you're you have you're pretty much overworked, you have a lot of stuff going on, and you can't seem to keep up. Um, what I personally love when us uh, to work with a site that I keep the good uh, communication with is when they say, "Hey, you know, look, this is what's going on." Um, we're short-staffed, X, Y, Z, and I know I have a lot, and this is probably messing with your metrics at your CRO or sponsor. Um, however, I want to do what I can to help you. So, is there a way, or there steps we could do to where we can work on what's priority, right? Maybe like four or five things, or three things, and and then from there we'll we'll kind of work at that pace, right? And then eventually get to that point. Sites that are like that um, are always the ones that like we appreciate the most because we, on our end, also fully understand that. It's just there's just so much to do all the time. I mean, me literally, if I if I put my mind to it, I could literally be busy from five six a.m. all the way till seven eight p.m. with how much work there's constantly rolling in as a monitor, right? And so, and imagine as a CRA actually having to travel on top of that. So, um, and I'm I'm remote, so I don't I don't even know that extent of, of of stress that they go through. So yeah, like what Dan said, as well as you know what I said, just finding ways to to work around and 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 just always. Working together. Thank you so much.
6: Sure.
3: Very helpful.
0: Uh, Roger Iglesias, how's it going? Thank you for hand raising. Maybe this is good for the future. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I wanted to ask you, Dan. So you know, I'm based here in Miami. So, um, and I'm, you know, planning on creating a, or opening a research here with my dad. Um, so how can I uh, differentiate myself from other competitors here uh, that are more established? Uh, it's going to be your patients. So if your patients are being seen by your dad, your dad's practice, right? I I remember interviewing you now, but it's been a while. He has private practice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's your differentiating factor and really like sponsors Miami is like a almost radioactive for sponsors these days. Like we just opened this podcast with, or this, this webinar with, um, a story about a site in Miami that was doing fraud. Like there's a lot of that reputation built into Miami. So the more you can do to alleviate their concerns, like we have real patients. This is a real doctor's office. Um, those things go a long way in a place like Miami. Um, It's it's internal medicine, right? Family family practice? Yeah. Yeah, so that's really good because you have diversity of therapeutic indications that you guys see. Uh, So in short, it's your patients and your dad's involvement with them. And the long answer you don't want to hear is it's going to be a lot harder for you than if you were anywhere else in the country. That's just like honest honest advice and it doesn't seem like you want to move from Miami I don't blame you um but it's going to be tougher for you to get studies there but that is at the end of the day they need patients and they need research naive patients which is a really important thing in Miami it's a problem The recycled patients in Miami uh there's a lot of like negative connotations associated with research in Miami so the closer you can get to like actual clinical care and that's like your messaging to the sponsors, the better. Cause the last thing we need in Miami is another research site, right? Like we do not need that, but what we do need are real patients in Miami seen by a real clinic and not some fraudulent, like hole in the wall place that you can't tell, you know, what it is. I appreciate it. Thank you. I would yeah. just add, I would just add to what
2: add on to what Dan was saying there. Also, something to keep in mind is um, Dan and I have a number of clients throughout the country, and two of our most successful clients are in Florida, Greater Miami area. So um, it may be a little bit more
0: competitive and difficult to get started, but you can do quite well in Florida. They're the proof that it's it can be done because. If you do good research there, they'll come back to you. Miami is a huge, growing, growing area of the country. Like it's going to become increasingly more important. And I think a lot of these fraudulent sites are going to get weeded out. Th- Thuy was asking about it. It's on my YouTube channel. Thuy, the the latest video. It's like all about that um, that site in Miami that the that got uh, basically like they're half their staff, if not all of them, go to prison soon. Uh It's on my YouTube channel.
5: That's heavy. Well,
0: <laughs> Department of Justice guys, they're not the FDA, all right? They don't send you a report.
5: They just show uh, up.
0: They'll hit you upside the head with a <laughs> their their gun. Oh my
5: gosh!
0: They don't mess around.
6: Yeah, I think there's like memes that say everything happens in Florida, everything happens in Miami, right? <laughs> all the crazy stuff happening. Yeah,
0: especially in research. Yeah. But really, Roger, that's the answer, man. It's like the closer you can get to like patient care. This is what we already do with or without research. It would just be great to add research to it. Because the and if you can do the underserved angle, um, Latino, like if it's it's predominantly Latino. I don't know the nature of the practice, but I imagine in Miami it's like heavy, heavily Latino. Oh no, yeah, for sure. No, I can't get more Latino than. than yeah.
6: <laughs> but there's yeah.
0: also. I can
6: I was just gonna say it, there's also a, a strong Haitian Creole population too that you guys should look into um, which could be a differentiator for you all as well
3: and nice. I think the beauty of Miami or Florida is that the community is prone to participate in studies everybody's more open to it than probably any older state
0: yep okay we got Agnes with a raised hand how's it going Agnes
3: Hi, Dan, I'm doing okay. Uh, Calling you from Texas. I just wanted to know uh, what is the overview in Texas right now regarding clinics? A couple of us trained and we're thinking of getting active.
0: Depends where, I mean, Houston, Houston's one of the busiest, Houston's one of the most saturated markets for research sites in the country. it's probably on the same scale as LA. It's not as bad as Miami, but it's there. Probably with yeah, Atlanta. Uh,
3: Dallas.
0: Uh Dallas. Dallas the is
3: Arlington, Dallas Fort Worth
0: Area. Yeah, it's a little less competitive, but still pretty competitive, but not not as bad as Houston. Um, so are you thinking of starting a site or you wanna work at a site or what what's the um outcome? The uh, desired outcome. I don't
3: know even how to uh how to get their jobs and get some um, hands-on experience. But if it were possible, would really, would have preferred to just pull together and start a site with your support.
0: Yeah, I mean, those are two very different things, but both are possible. One's gonna be a lot more work that's starting the site. I think, what's your background?
3: um i'm in nursing and the other guy who i introduced michael is a nurse too so we're in the health field
0: ashley there's cro's willing to hire nurses right now
5: yeah well feel free to reach out to me on linkedin and uh if you want i can definitely submit your resume internally okay thank you so much very welcome that goes for anybody here too
0: and if that doesn't work, small site in your area, just go show up. Say, I'm Agnes. I have a nursing background. I learned about research from Latinos in clinical research. And I'm here to help in any way you need me. Um, and that's it. Just start. Do this that gonna, like 20 times.
3: This is going to sound advertisement.
0: <laughs> My, well, I love it.
3: But that is the truth. I mean, if you don't want to wait until, I mean, waste a lot of time trying to get into, you can always join the CRC Academy or the CRA Academy or the Clinicians Academy and, and speed up that part so that way you can put that in your in your CV, in your resume. Because when, when you're showing the sponsors or the organizations that you are investing in your own education and investing, obviously, time and money, that also shows... Um, a lot because oftentimes the companies hire people with clinical background, but uh, once they start working in research, they just realize that they don't really like research as they told they would. And, uh, and if they are already coming with some research background, they already showing that they, they actually like research and they understand research.
5: It's a great point, Monica. Yeah, that's, it's very true that they, it's um because people don't realize that when you're going through the training process, that's also costing the CRO and all them time and money. And, and also from those that are already trained, that are working, that are overseeing and helping train you as a newcomer, right? So they're investing a lot, hoping that you make it through the 90 day period. And, and it is very true. A lot of, even clinicians, um, they don't know what to expect. They think that because it's similar to the clinical industry, but uh, when you're talking monitor-wise, it's very different. And and even sometimes CRC-wise, right? Uh, there, there's a lot of things that go into it, not just knowing the clinical background. And, and so um, having that experience and exposure is really huge. And even more so, um, what I think is really amazing about uh, the CRC-CRA academies, that they have the internships. There are no other academies out there that offer the internships. And um, you get that experience, right? And so you can actually and it's remote and you get to talk about that in your interview and that's big because that's what they want. They don't wanna just hear that, you know, the knowledge, they wanna know that you have actual experience. And so that's that's where it's helpful, um, I think very much.
0: Dr. Chukwuma, thank you for raising your hand and being patient, welcome.
2: Uh, thank you, Dan. Um, my, my question is this, um, I'm wondering, I want to know how much you know about the medical monitoring role and um, how an IMG can get there. It's, um, do you have to be board certified to be a medical monitor? Because um, I've asked someone this question, someone I know, and he told me that he actually grew from the ranks in his company. And today he's a medical monitor. And he isn't, but certified. I want to doubt him, but I want to use this opportunity to ask if, in your experience, if he could actually be telling the truth or if you really have to be birth <laughs> certified to be well, uh, a medical Well,
0: <laughs> well doctor, the he good said, news for you is we interviewed a lady on this. Okay. She's an IMG yeah. from Mexico. Mexico. I'm trying to find the video right now so I can put in the chat. So you don't I even need to worry about my too. opinion. Yeah, our opinion doesn't even matter. Uh, it's somebody who did it. It's not. So it's that's proof that it's possible. Now, the way she did it oh, wow. is she went the study coordinator route. And the way she explained it is because the reason they're doing that, it's kind of a recently new thing. Uh, it's just the labor shortage. Like, there's too much supply of study, not enough workers, so they made an exception for her. There's nowhere in the FDA guidance that says medical monitor needs to be licensed um, in the United States. If you're licensed somewhere else and you live in the United States, I mean, it shouldn't matter. Most of these studies are international studies anyways. So I'm trying to find that video, but yeah, Monica or Ashley or Judy, you guys wanted to add something?
5: Um, I mean, I don't know specifics, uh, but I do know that, um, you know, for me and personally with, you know, where I work um, and I don't, personally like to say, you know, names or anything, but uh where I work, I know that should you like to move forward in any position in your job, um, you can definitely move up the ranks. So um I don't find it odd that your friends stated that because I mean, uh anything is possible when you are with the CRO or sponsor because they really want to keep you in-house. And sometimes, you know, to keep people in-house and happy, it's you're allowing them to expand and grow their knowledge set. And especially from somebody that's you know, starting from monitor all the way to project monitor and then going into medical monitor. I mean, I, I don't see why that is not possible. Um, but again, we're, uh, I'm not fully qualified to say yes or no, but so definitely watch the video. Um, yeah, that's why right Dan here. and we do those um, recordings because it's, it's really great to hear from those from the actual industry that are doing it.
0: Your friend is a very good friend. I just put in the chat and he's probably subscribed to Latinos in clinical Research and to Dance Fair YouTube channel. So make sure you do the same. Um, But there's the link right there. You don't need to hear it from us anymore. You just hear it from someone who did it. And she's one of many. It's just the one that we happen to interview.
2: Thank you very much, this helps.
0: Yeah, man, good luck, you can do it. I think the coordinator route is the most practical way to go about it.
2: All right, thank you. We
3: have someone with the hand raised.
0: Yeah, Yeah, thank you, Thuy. Mm -hmm.
2: Hey uh, Dan, I have I have a question. I manage a ophthalmology site in Georgia, and when I give my uh, coordinators regulatory stuff to do, the FDA 1572 form has not been updated this year, and that that's okay, right?
0: Yeah, they. I noticed this too. One of my um, employees brought that up. The Anyone could Google a 1572 form right now. It's expired. So every right. study has an expired <laughs> 1572 form. The FDA released a guidance on this. I don't remember what they said, but basically they said it's okay. So we just
2: continue to use it until they, they yeah. make a fresh
0: one. I find it rather odd, too, but I think COVID, or they blame it on COVID, or uh-huh. they blame it on the supply shor- <laughs> labor shortage. Who knows? Somebody can't change the date.
2: And then uh, also I had another question. I have a friend that only did, he has his health sciences degree, and he only did about three years as a clinical research um, coordinator, and now he's moving, and he's trying so hard to get, like, a beginner CRA position in another state. But um, I guess he'll get, like, decline letters saying he doesn't have enough experience.
3: So yeah. what can he do to kind of get a foot in a does, door in the CRA route? That, does your friend has uh, bachelors. Yes, mm-hmm.
0: it's just not applying enough. Uh, it's and and it's applying to the roles that he's probably not going to get. So, like you mm-hmm. need, to, he needs to go for the ones that are lesser known, like remote site monitor. I mean, this girl right here to my right has it. Well, at least that's where Ashley shows up on my screen. But <laughs> she's in she's, my screen, she's
2: on my right. <laughs> she's somewhere
0: around here. But remote site monitor, in house CRA, clinical trial assistant. It To be a CRA, just get at the CRO level. And it won't take long before they offer you, if you do a, like a moderately good job, CRA role in the next year. So he's just probably. I mean he could get lucky and get a CRA role. Um another thing he can do is network with his former monitors if he left them on good terms.
2: Yeah. Um, but and, and like the monitors was telling us it's like he should reach out to the bigger CRO companies, like the yeah. well known ones, but they're the ones that I guess they're looking more for like senior CRA than than entry yeah. level. Duh. The bigger
0: ones want like they want like remote site monitors, and then to groom them later.
5: I would like to say yeah, that no. um, definitely what happened during the COVID, like the COVID scenario or whatever, that was the the start of the boom in research, mm-hmm. and CROs and sponsors were in such huge need that they were just taking applicants, taking app- applicants. And I know that there are some CROs um, out there that uh, have already kind of slowed down on taking up remote site monitors and CRA1s, CRA1s, right, because those are the ones that filled up very, very quickly. Uh, They're now focusing a little bit more on those with experience. However, a lot of people don't realize that, um, uh, so like at a site level, you would get clinical research coordinator. At CRO levels, they have clinical trial coordinators, right, and those are the ones that they don't expect, you know, to have, they'll take you if they don't have any background. I've even heard of individuals that don't even have to have their full bachelors, but as long as they have some experience in the clinical industry and clinical operations and things like that, they, you know, again, if you interview well, um, you can still get in, right? And which is great because the things with the CROs and sponsors that because there's such a need and there's such a need for higher up, they're constantly checking in with you, especially if you're really great and when you get your foot in, um, they're constantly wanting to move you up further and further and further very, very fast, right? Should you, of course, be able to do that so um, I always like to tell people that you know even if you're looking for a certain position and you get one or two positions below that's perfectly fine you can move up very 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 fast because of the way that the scenario is right now within the CROs they need more upper management or higher levels so there's constantly working the you know the, the beginner levels to push them up further and promote them faster so that they can get that experience and exposure quicker so um, definitely have them look at the, you know, remote site monitor. But I feel the ones that will be more open there right now are clinical trial coordinators and CROs and sponsors.
2: Yeah, because, like, we work with LabCorp, and I see a lot of the clinical, like, mm-hmm. there, there's, there's research coordinators that are sending, like, regulatory mm-hmm. items, not CRAs. Mm-hmm. And, and that, I just started seeing that probably about a year now where it's from a CRO company, but they're listed as uh, research coordinators.
5: Yeah, and a lot of them, they'll handle, they'll help handle regulatory or aspects of regulatory, and they'll also help with like the you know, kind of like what a CRC will do in-site, except for they're very, like, expanded at the site level, but they help a lot with the regulatory, the keeping of the track of the documents, etc., submitting to the monitors yeah. and all of that. Well, in the CRO's perspective, uh, depending on which one, right, but I know for, in mind, the CTCs uh, handle a lot of regulatory. They help the re- remote site monitors and CRAs uh, on the backtrack with, like, amendments and keeping track of the documents and the ETMF and things like that. So um, it's a lot of good exposure. It's not as hands-on, obviously, as a CRC on site. Um, but yeah. Okay,
0: thank you. T asked me a question um, on in the chat. So for those at bigger sites, how do you prevent yourself from becoming overly specialized, or is it not something to worry about? This is a controversial topic. I personally think this is something to worry about. I think bigger sites, they're designed in a way. It's not done on purpose, but it's designed to maximize efficiency at the expense of you learning other tasks. So what does that do? It does nothing in the short term. Maybe it sounds great because your job's pretty easy um, or streamlined at least. But when you try to move on, like usually from an AMC to private industry, you become untouchable. I've heard some hiring managers say people from this AMC are untouchable. We're not going to hire them because we know what the culture is there and they're not going to fit well at ikefia or at ppd or wherever they're from so it's the the less time unless you like it there then there's no issue or you like academia but if you want to eventually like explore multiple possibilities within research i think you need to get out of these streamlined places um that's just my opinion
5: it's also good to mention that usually in those scenarios because um I was in public health after my the position that I had in the hybrid research clinic, um, but I did uh, work with UT Southwestern Medical Center, who is heavy and known for its Nobel laureates in research. And you do see that in the research centers, facilities, people really don't move from their position, right? People are like, they stay there. So for you to move up, you either have to completely move to different departments and really like out as opposed to if you were to be at a you know a site specifically outside of the academia or in the cro there's there's available there's movement right you have uh, room for movement so yeah it's just uh, what dan said for sure
0: yeah i get a lot of hate on that one but it's the truth at least it's my truth if it's not the truth
1: I agree with Dan. I think uh, if you can learn as much as you can in the various roles, then you'll have the opportunities to go into the different areas. If you stick to one thing, one thing only, you're not going to move around too much, and it's going to be yes. harder to go somewhere else. It's going to narrow
3: so much your
1: mm-hmm. possibilities, exactly.
0: And T raised their hand, so if you feel free, if you want T to add more color or um, get this conversation going.
6: Uh, I guess they kind of got answered a bit. I was just wondering if um, your advice changed depending on if it was more site level or CRO level. Uh,
0: yeah, no. Is it an AMC, Academic Medical Center? No. Okay. Um, so I, this is another anecdotal example. There's a private CRO they focus on phase one. I forgot, I honestly forgot their name. They're in Phoenix and they, they do a lot of like, they used to do a lot of nicotine type of studies. So smoking cessation, but now they're doing different things with, with different nicotinic receptors and people from there who work there, they have everything streamlined. So like you just do dead entry, you just answer the queries. You just upload documents here. Like it's very streamlined. It makes it very efficient for them. But when they, and they may give them a title like coordinator or whatever, but when they go interview at just a regular site, they usually don't get hired. And that's that's because of that streamline. So that's that's an example of like a non-AMC where the same problem still exists. So if you feel like you are in that situation and you do want to try other... Uh, companies in the industry i would try to see what you can do about that either internally talk to some people there and say hey can i be given more more um, challenging tasks or just different responsibilities or if not just try elsewhere it's a huge industry you shouldn't be uh you know pigeonholed in just one one area if that's not what you want
6: that was really helpful. Thank you all for expanding on
2: that.
0: Yeah, thank you. Anyone else? Thank you guys and gals for joining.
6: I was just going to say, there's also opportunities within the vendors, right? Like tech vendors and things. So if you have like industry experience and you want to kind of venture out, I think there's there's some opportunities there that may exist.
0: Yeah. And the vendors are going to run I mean we didn't talk about that till the end, but in about ten years, I think the vendors, specifically Viva, is gonna be like more powerful than I even IKEA and PPD, because they're they've got a lot going on where they're digitizing everything and they're gonna have the sites buy in. They already have the sponsor and CRO market. So now they're just gonna have the the site market. And I think it's game over, like once Viva gets their third act going, so yeah, the vendors, and they're they're gonna probably acquire a bunch of these smaller tech companies too, just like just like WCG IRB has been buying every IRB and God knows what else, like every other training program that exists. They even buy sites, so there's gonna be a lot of consolidation in the tech space, especially now with the funding drying up from the venture capital, where you're gonna have these established players taking over these. Um, money losing but still promising tech companies, money burning a recession yeah. tends to do that. Recession tends to weed out the non profitable companies, even though if they have good ideas,
5: I feel like that's a whole other topic, too, for sure. Oh, yeah, Defin- next definitely. Next month, yeah, next, next month, right? No,
0: we're yeah. not going to do that next okay. month.
5: <laughs> 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 no, Unless next we are, month. I don't know. If- Oh, yes, now, yes. Now that
3: everybody now, now that everybody's here next month we're gonna bring uh lawyers that are gonna be talking about immigration and possibilities um so mm. highly recommended We invite everybody please bring your questions um and uh, i mean why not if you right Know anybody <laughs> that this
5: would help if you know anybody that this will help please let them know we're going to definitely be shooting out you know, email blasts. if you're not on our you know lists or subscribed to our email list please go to latinosinclinicalresearch.com subscribe we do not do any you know um spam or anything it's only for the webinars so please subscribe so you can get those updates we actually have a lot of really great things coming down the pipeline that uh, we know would be super beneficial for everybody uh, especially you know um you know the um for those that are really trying to get into the industry, and um, those that know it, people that are trying to get in. Yeah. yeah, I'm
3: actually just a little, a little teaser. <laughs> uh, when I spoke with them, they mentioned that research has a special, uh, how can I say, like a special treatment or something like that when it comes to immigration, just because obviously, uh, I I think part part of it is the shortage. And, and I think also diversity. So we invite you for the next um, webinar.
0: Yeah, I think it's like skilled skilled labor uh, treated differently, but I'm not an attorney. But yeah, that's probably, yeah, I'll be on that one next next month. And then we do have a Latinos in clinical research YouTube channel. We do have a Latinos in clinical research Instagram page. We have a Latinos in clinical research LinkedIn. Just connect with us on all those places so you don't miss the next webinar i don't do every latinos and clinical research webinar on my clinical trials guru list so if you're not subscribed to latinosandclinicalresearch.com you might miss them because i don't do all of them there um so every month we'll do another one on on here on zoom and again it's open to everybody not just latinos um
5: for all ethnicities
0: everyone yeah Mm -hmm. Hmm. So anyone else? Carla, nice to see you. You're on late, but it's all good. Speaking of <laughs> Miami and speaking of somebody that works really hard and very knowledgeable is Carla Varanavos. Okay. Thank I don't see you, everyone. Questions. Yeah, thanks, everybody. <laughs> thank we you, look forward you, to
5: next month. Yeah. See everybody then. Thank yeah. you. Thanks
1: for joining us. <laughs> thank, you. Thank,
4: thank you, everybody.
5: Uh, thank, thank you. you guys.
4: Guys. Thank, thank you. For sharing your knowledge and everything regarding this. Industries and everything. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for attending,
0: everybody.